What's up, Gavin? Uh, nothing. Everything's okay. Everything's good. Good. I went to. I had to go to the store today because of uh, grocery shopping. Would you know what a shallot is? You know what a shallot is? Yes. Yeah. It's not like Gene Shallot. Not the movie guy. No, it's a cross between a. It's a cross between garlic, like garlic, and an onion. Yeah, but how many guys would know that? I mean, if you cook. Oh my god! If you cook. Or as as um. If you watch any Gordon Ramsay cooking shows, a shallot, a shallot, a shallot? yeah, no, well, they're I, great shallots. Well, I know, but I was on great tour, flavor. you know, when I go to ShopRite or whatever, it's like a treasure hunt for joining a fraternity. It's like, <laughs> and I swear my wife throws in one or two just to bust on me, you know, just to get me out of the house for a couple hours. Yeah. Shallot was the magic one today. <laughs> I, need, I need an hour to myself. Let me go tell them to get shallots. Shallots. But like, did she send you to, did, the thing, the question would be, did like she send you to Kohl's to get a shallot? No, no, no. She said, it, no, she, that would be obvious. Well, because shallot does obvious. sound like something you would put into your fence or something. A little shallot. <laughs> yes. Home Depot. I, you're asking the guy in the in the plumbing aisle at Home Depot. Do you have any shallots? Any shallot? What the frick is a shallot? I don't. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to put that out there to see what the who knows what that is. It'll be a you. poll. We'll do a poll on it. But I, I'm afraid that a lot of people will know shallot. I guess, I guess that's you don't do any of the cooking. Then I assume at your house. I know you. I don't. do some. I cook breakfast. Grilling, but I don't, grill. I grill and I cook breakfast. I do an, I'm okay. I mean, my wife just loves yeah. to cook. So that's, again, we're really good off air. It, well, I, I think this, we've actually started. I don't know if you know that. Did, um, did we begin? We're going to deny the world your shallot story? I mean, come on. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, because you're always my hype man. You're, you're always a great hype man. You know, you're, you're, yeah, you're yeah. great at you're easy to you get people upped up. You, 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 yeah. You'd love to throw compliments around. So I'm going to start. I'm going to hype you because yeah. I was doing a, a shout out to Virginia McDonald has this uh, little podcast. She's, a, she's a, a local teacher in my community who has been a uh, cancer survivor, not once, but twice. And she does a little podcast about people who are going through challenging things and, you know, coming through and get grit, grace and gratitude is her, the title of her podcast. So a little shout out to her, but, um, she comes on. It's not a sports podcast at all, by any means. And she comes on and she goes, you know, in, in all the the uh, the conversations I've had with people in the preparation to do this interview with you, um, they said to me, you have to make sure you ask about the capper. Like she <laughs> wanted to know about the capper. Right, so even right. that non-sports, you know, in the community, they want to know about the capper and all about our relationship and everything. So, um, so I just wanted to, I wanted to get make sure i pass that on to you ah thank even, you even even in these kind of side things i do that are non-sports people are asking about the capper but in the name of that um it was grit grit grace and gratitude virginia that McDonald's. is you man that is you that is i can see why they had you on i don't mean to like be <laughs> but you know we all know your challenges well, you're turning it back i'm trying how... to pump you up Oh, no, I'm totally into myself lately. I am totally changing my attitude. I'm going to start <laughs> pumping myself up now. I, I, I feel like, you know, I had a birthday. It's this a breakthrough. Season 22 now, you and I together? Is What's 22 years? I think it's time for me 
to be like, I don't know, I'm trying to be more social media savvy, trying to do more of that. And I don't know how you do that without talking about yourself. It's everything my instincts tell me not to do. And yet you got, you got if you don't do it, you're a dinosaur. And I ain't leaving this mm-hmm. being a dinosaur. So I'm going to be out there a little bit more now. Just, just a little more. You're not a dinosaur. Yeah, no, I, no we'll, but we'll you see. could you're, be. You're, you're social media gun shy, though, sometimes. Like, you'll, you'll do something and then you'll be like, oh, I don't know. I got to. Hey, you I got three versions that, of it. Should I put that out here? Can you type it for me? You know me? what it is? Yeah. And, and also, my grammar is not like my fundamentals in grammar as a kid. You can tell that I wasn't supervised young, well, young. And I just kind of, so like, <laughs> I, t- I have a tendency to capitalize things that wait, maybe, wait, maybe wait, I don't have to the, go there, right? You were, you were a great high school athlete, though, and you were being recruited by colleges. And yeah. you got to tell the story of, your interview with was it Hamilton College, which is a very Hamilton prestigious Co- educational institution up there in upstate New York. But they wanted you. You you had a chance to get in because you you're a great athlete. Yeah, you know, I you got to tell me when the pod this podcast really did start, right? This is the yeah, this is the podcast. Come on, this is it. All right, so I'm at <laughs> I'm at Hamilton College, right? And boy, they did everything they could to get me in. Again, I, I became a good student as I got to college and learned how to study. I wasn't that supervised. I was a latchkey kid. Uh, my father passed away when I was a little kid, but I don't need to be solemn here. But so I'm going. So uh, they had to really work hard to get me into college. So I'm there. And, and this guy, Tom Murphy, who's a wonderful coach there, basketball coach, says, hey, you know, he's prepping me, prepping me. Just come on. Just just don't mess it up. Maybe you can get in. Your Uncle John actually gave some money. Maybe you can get in. The, and, and it wasn't even it was an EOP program, too. It wasn't even a normal program. So he goes, um, this guy, this real stuffy, I think he had a bow tie. Of course he had a bow tie, right? So, he, you know, he goes, he goes, you know, it goes on and on. And he goes, how do you do, uh, Tim, uh, how do you do in, in, in English? I go, man, eh, pretty good. He goes, that's well, son. That's yeah, right well. there, you know. Right there, it was over. Didn't get into Hamilton. <laughs> he probably didn't say, how you doing in English either? No, no. No, no that's true, too. More formal no, than that. that's true. Well, Tim, uh, how would you... Uh, how would you? Tim, how successful has your English been? In- ben, and I said, pretty good. He goes, that's well, son. So I didn't get in there. Yes. No. I didn't know they had, they had people no. from England, a lot of guys teaching there. And you, it, and you never worked on it. Good for you. You just... No, I this is me, going. man. This is me. This is me. You got it. Why change now? It's my habits are so bad. So, but you are, but you are, you, you have mastered. This is something that I think in, in interviewing coaches, I, I always talk about, you get to that point in your career where you go, where you realize that you can find joy in the success of others. I heard Jeff Van Gundy talk about that one day about right. being a leader or a coach on a team, you know, you can find joy in the success of your teammates, in the success of your players. Right. Uh, and that's why, that's what makes you, that would probably made you a coach. And, and you're, like I said, I joked about you being a hype man, but it's true. I'm not that to everybody, though. I don't just do it just to throw it out. Do you think I'm that like? No, but to the people that you feel that way. Yeah. No, but I mean, like you I'm feel that afraid. way. Like if you feel that way about somebody, you're not afraid to throw compliments out there and, and pump people up. And the reason I'm thinking about this, Capra, because there's somebody that's been in the news lately that is very much like this. And I'm going to tie it to something with the Nets. So 
we're taping this. We haven't seen Taylor Swift at the Meadowlands to see Jason Kelsey. This is coming up in a couple of days. We're, We're taping this before that. But we did get to see her at Arrowhead Stadium. To see Travis Kelsey, right. and I know that you're Were up you on there? all the Did you pop do culture that game? stuff. No, no, no. I was in Minnesota. I was in Minnesota. I did not. You're in Kansas City all the time, though. I was, and I wasn't there for that one, unfortunately. Right. Um, but it is a great environment. If she was going to come to an NFL game, like if somebody said, people say to me all the time, "What's a place? What's the your favorite venue?" I would say you have to go see a game at Arrowhead. It's it's right. it's amazing, and but I'm talking about like. Did you see when her reaction when he scored the touchdown? I get it. Like, she's there to see him. He scores a touchdown. But it was like made it like 34 to nothing. Like, right, even right. Travis's mom, who was in the, in the box, was just like, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, clapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but she's a great height. She, she reacts in a way that's so exciting all the time for other people. It's like award shows, too. You ever see her at award shows? Like, she's so yeah. psyched for everybody else. Right? It's yeah, great. Yeah, but, I, yeah, no, I, I don't. Some people think it may be not real. Yeah, yours sincere. is genuine. Yeah, yours I, is yeah, sincere and because genuine. Because I'm not like hyping, like I'm not on camera hyping I'm or anything like that. Yeah. I, I don't mean it. I just like when good people do great things, man. I, I really like it, you know? I like like I heard, I'll give and, you an example. You know who's a great analyst? A great analyst. Rebecca Lobo. You know what hmm. I mean? That would be an example. The WNBA, in, the games have been great, right? I listen to her. Ryan Rucco, everybody knows he's terrific. He's, he's really terrific, right? And those two together. But I like when I hear a really good analyst, and I just think she's got it. So I don't yeah. know. That would no, be an example. There's a perfect of, example. All right. but, but going back to, going back to Taylor and, Kel, and Travis Kelsey, does it remind you of something <laughs> that we've been through in our, in our Nets career? Uh, yes, yes. Kim Kardashian and Chris yes. Humphreys. Right? Yes. Doesn't that remind you of that? Yes. Has that feel to it. Except I'm not trying to compare the athletes or the pops. Well, what is Kim Kardashian? And, you know, but I, no, I think I think it's Kim it's very close. You're trying was to talk a, about like popularity. It was a big deal when she was coming to net games to see Chris Humphreys. Remember? I remember the first game that she came to courtside in Minnesota on New Year's Day. Right. In Minnesota, sitting next to Chris Humphrey's mom. Right, right. That was right. a huge deal. I remember I was doing TV for that game. And I remember they showed a shot of her and I called her. I, I called uh, Kim Kardashian, Chris Humphrey's girlfriend. And I remember Frank DeGrace, our producer, getting in my ear and he goes, oh, oh wait, you're going girlfriend? And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's New Year's Day. She's in Minnesota, sitting next to Chris's mom. I'm going. Right. I'm going girlfriend. Right, going right, girlfriend. Right, right. But you know, then she showed up a lot of times, and I, you know, we can get into the whole thing about it. But Here, yeah, well, here's a combo that happened in that same year. This is how the this is the information we can give you. Remember Maria Sharapova yeah. showing up for Sasha for Sasha Vujicic. Javoyacic. Yes. So we had a combination of Maria Sharapova and Kim Kardashian dating Nets players. Remember when Kim when that Maria team stunk? That oh. team stunk, but the but the but the, the support <laughs> staff around it was was first class. Remember when they were interviewing Maria Sharapova and they asked her about Sasha? And she called him soft. He's a, <laughs> he's a little soft. 
You know what I always thought? You know what I always wanted to do? And again, I, I didn't yeah. realize we were on, but we're, since we're on, I'll, yeah. I'll pretend like we're not. Yeah. But I'll just tell him this. You know what I always wanted to do for Chris Humphrey? I always felt bad for him in that situation. But I wanted to, and again, I always have ideas, but I don't follow through a lot. I wanted to, after she broke up with him, buy him a shirt and to walk out with a shirt that said rebound on it. I thought that would have been cute. I would have thought people would have thought that was really pit. Then the joke. See, I'm good at not, I'm good at laughing at the joke before it becomes the joke. Because I've spent my whole life, you know, self self-deprecation works. If he had known that, ah, if I had known Aaron Harris and Gary oh, Sussman and all the PR people, that shirt would have made him so popular. But I blew it. Oh, we could have. Yeah. And it doesn't work. And I would say we have to do something for Travis Kelsey it wouldn't work because it's not a rebound. I mean, you know. Nah, but but of course, Ian has nailed a couple shake big it off. calls, right? With shake, shake. Ah, oh, well, it was funny was because shake. we both did. Well, we both, Ian and I, were both in Kansas City uh, right. for that. Uh, I'm sorry, we were both doing the Chiefs game in Jacksonville the week before, so all that right. stuff with Taylor Swift was swirling around. And I'm doing national radio. Ian's doing national TV. After the game, I see on social media, we both did something because he did when uh, Kelsey caught a pass in the end zone and he goes, he found a blank space. And then there right. was a play where he dropped the pass on the goal line. And I said, he's got to shake it off. Oh, both cute, were sort cute, of double cute. entendres. I should mention, this is the voice of the Nets podcast. I'm Chris Carino, along with my longtime radio partner, Tim Capstraw. Are we starting now? Now it's official. And, uh, and, and this is a, it's yeah. Well, the show is officially um, brought to you by Ticketmaster. But there's there's Chelsea Jenkins, our engineer, is on the line, and I'm, I'm we're going to keep all that. I mean, that is too. We can't leave that on the cutting room floor. That shallots. Are we going to keep shallots? Absolutely. Why would we not? Right. This is. I mean, basically, this is another. It's a promo for our um, our broadcast on WFAN, right. which will be continuing on WFAN again this year and uh it, you, you could hear us uh we may do some preseason stuff not on the radio but we're, we're still discussing this right now and figure out how they're going to do this but uh some preseason stuff but uh we'll let you know about that but we will be on of course when the season starts and we thought we'd come on right now as we're getting ready for media day and we're getting ready for the start of training camp that we do a little training camp primer a little thing that we're looking at before we've seen any practices or any games uh, so why don't we do that? We've, we've, we've entertained the folks enough. We've done like second quarter stuff already. Uh, if you know, if you listen, we, we get into uh, stuff in the second quarter to keep you interested. Uh, entertain might be a, a strong word. By yeah, the way. it's true. Uh, right. let's get down to brass tacks now and start talking about Ooh. this net team, because we did have the, the, uh, press conference of Jacques Vaughn and Sean Marks, uh, to kind of tip things off. And the thing I came away with, and it was a, and it was a good question from someone, and, I, and I, I'm sorry that I'm blanking who asked the question, but um, he asked Sean Marks, if you put the roster together this year um, with the idea of creating competition in training camp. Hmm. And I, I think back to, uh, you know, the, the, 
you know, what you're trying to accomplish in training camp and getting a competitive nature and getting a team that's going to compete. Jacques Vaughn talks about, I want a team that can compete. And I think about, um, you know, Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks and and those great teams that he had. He would have competition Wednesdays. You know, every Wednesday in practice, you were competing for your job. He wanted them competing at everything. If they were playing ping pong in in the locker room, he wanted them to compete hard. And I think that might be a theme here as we go in because the Nets are a little bit of a Noah's Ark team, as you like to call them, Capper, right? (laughs) They got about... They got a couple of guys at every position. They got a couple of guys everywhere that do the same thing. I don't know that they're, they they are they have competition because yes, they have some talent here and there, but they have a lot of guys in that you know let's prove it kind of mode right now, and uh, let's see what they got for their NBA careers right now. Yeah, but they went out and got guys I think that are going to push other guys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I agree with that. And and I and it was curious to see, like, you know, we can get in. We're going to get into the young players and how much of a role they can do uh, and they can play. Um, but certainly, you know, you, you think about Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, right? Similar yeah. kind of players. They brought in a Dennis Smith Jr. Um, and, and, and they bring in... Um, Lonnie Walker. They bring in... Lonnie Walker, the fourth. yeah, they bring in Lonnie Walker, the fourth. Um, and, you know, those are very similar kind of guys. Um, you, 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 I just feel like there's going to be this fight for playing time with this Absolutely. team right now when, when you don't have a star is not necessarily a bad thing. No, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I do think they have an emerging couple of players that could be not necessarily, I think they're top some top players in the NBA. When you evaluate NBA players now, and you're talking about two-way players, you know, Mikel Bridges fits in that mode of a top. You usually say, well, he's a, maybe a top 30 guy, a top 35. No, but if you're a two-way player, he might be a lot higher than that. You know what I mean? And uh, I think he's one of these guys that's, um, that Nets really hit a home run on. And then, you know, Cam Johnson and and guys like that, I think they have, uh, they have, they have players. And again, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into Ben Simmons and the possibilities there and all that. I think they have talent, but I couldn't agree with you more that the team, the essence of the team will be made through uh, tremendous competition because nothing, nothing motivates you more than the loss of sitting on a bench or the loss of your job. Listen, if you're interviewing another Allen analyst, for my job, man, I am going to be ready that next game. You know what yeah. I mean? Same thing with everybody else in this world. It's human nature. And I think the Nets got to use that. Jock Vaughn's got to use that uh, to his advantage throughout the entire season. It's going to be interesting well, to watch. Yeah, I mean, but that's what I took away from from Jacques and Sean Marks talking in, in their press conference was, um, hey, we, we know we've got good, young, talented players. and 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 but really, this is going to be guys that push each other that are going to compete and pay attention to the details that do all the little right. things correctly. Um, and and the the intangibles, this is a team that's going to have to do the intangibles very right. well because they don't have, you know, we saw this last year after the Durant trade. They have, you know, they didn't have that guy to go to at the end that can just 
that you can just give the ball to and relax yeah. and go, here you go, go score. I mean, this yeah. is not that type of team, but it certainly has the type of guys that can push each other to make sure that they take care of all those little details. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I mean, I think so, but I think you make a really smart point right there, Chris. I think a lot of teams in the NBA are capable of getting to uh, a competitive game with six minutes to go in the game. But I think what's going to really be interesting to me, and there's going to be a lot of different things in that are going to do because they're going to have a training camp with these guys. And I know they can, they're going to have different things defensively and all that, but it's still going to come down to the last five, six minutes of the game, that's when you would notice the difference between having the stars that the Nets have had recently and how are the Nets going to manufacture those type of baskets down the stretch of a game to to finish it off, I think is going to be a huge theme along the way. I think competition, playing hard, compete level, all those things really, really matter. And so does being able to figure out what is the most efficient way to put your players in the best situation down the stretch of the game. And I don't necessarily believe that it has to be like everybody else does it. I think the Nets guy, I think there's, I'm going to be curious to see what the strategy is. I mean, are they going to remember? We've heard the term elephant hunt, look for the weakest player, everybody spread out. Now we're going to drive the ball or are they going to maybe be a little bit more systematic and say, hey, let's run this play and just see what the offense gives us as opposed to the ISO ball that you see, you've seen over the years in the NBA. It's gonna, I'm curious about that, part of the, uh, uh, about that part of the equation. Well, we know that a couple of things came up last year after, in the second half of the year and then in the playoffs is, um, you know, one, for a team that had a lot of players with terrific defensive reputations, the Nets were not a good defensive team in the second half of the year. And then the other part of it was when they had leads in the fourth quarter, they weren't able to sustain those leads. And it goes back to, you know, maybe not having that closer kind of guy because you can be a great defensive team in the NBA, but in the end of the game, when you're trying to hold on to a six or eight point lead, that's when you need to be able to score. Like when you're down, you need stops. When you're up, you need to be able to score. Um, and, And I think those are things that, have to get better this year and what we're what we're hearing and i and i and i think it's valid to a certain degree is you know last year's team was thrown together on the fly yeah you know at the end of the year they weren't necessarily even the trades weren't made to find pieces that fit they were just trying to get the best available talent and then you worked into a situation where these guys never had a chance to really gel or the coaching staff figure out a system that can best utilize these players so the exciting part of what we're going into right now is that we see a lot of these players that were brought in that were, we were excited about last year that now get a chance to grow together, that now get a chance to have a training camp, a preseason. Will they get better at some of these things that we talked about? You know, rebounding is another issue uh, that we can probably do a whole section on. Well, but let's that's go. Let's go. Too. That, that, that's yeah, the final yeah. stage of defense. Yeah. And then because being able because when you think about the players on this roster, you know, from Nick Claxton, who was in the conversation for defensive player of the year, we know Mikel Bridges is always in that conversation. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. I mean, these are players that you're expecting to be terrific defensive players. And now we can throw a healthy Ben Simmons in there 
right. who's a who's a former you know all defensive player in the NBA. Um, maybe is it now a, a systematic kind of thing where you have this talent defensively? You're now going through a training camp. You're going through a preseason. You're putting in a defensive system that you've had months to try to to figure out with this personnel. That's where I'm kind of expecting this net team to make a jump this year. I think they'll make a jump, but I I do think, and I I would be surprised if there weren't adjustments or being able to play multiple styles of defense. Chris, I think last year they just committed to flat out they're going to switch one through five, and really that's why everybody talks about the rebounding. The the biggest thing you give up when you switch one through five is, is rebounding. You get too many mismatches going to the backboard. And I think this year, I think what you got to do, I mean, you do NFL every week. If, if, if the worst quarterback, if, if a quarterback saw the same defense every single time or a coach, they could punish that. And I think the Nets had the ability to switch. They have a very switchable team, but they don't have the, look at the bodies of the guys. They're usually 20 pounds lighter and they're not natural rebounders. So I do think that you're going to see this year, you're going to see adjustments. I, I, Jock alluded to it. I think they'll play uh, one through, they'll switch like they have and, and be able to do that because Claxton can move around so well. I think they're going to play some drop defense. I wouldn't be surprised if they hard hedged, which is mean they jumps out and they, they slow the ball there, possibly blitz and rotate. They have those type of athletes that could make the defense uh, the offense uncomfortable. I think that is the key right now, making people uncomfortable, being rotating, being aggressive, leaving it on the line. You have the depth to do it. You have the you don't have great physical natural rebounders, but you have length and speed defensively. So utilize that by moving scrambling around the court more. Uh I, I think that's a, a big, big part of it. I think obviously, yeah, you know. Blocking out is a big deal and boxing out. And they have stats for that, but it, it, that wasn't bad, I guess. But just not being – and then watch and see how many guys are on the glass. I, 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 I'm i going to be talking about that all year long. Who is a spectator when the ball goes off the, off the rim and who's going after it? I'm going to call guys out about it because it is the biggest thing the Nets have to do. If the Nets are a good rebounding team, their guards should be challenging to be top rebounders on the team. Think about it. The best rebounding we saw from a guard ever was Jason Kidd. Why did he get all those rebounds? Jason Collins was the best box out guy in the NBA. And the reason why he played every big's got a box and go after it is my, you know, and the guys don't overly box out. And sometimes it neutralizes some of their athleticism. I get that. But I think if the Nets are going to be a capable defensive team, they can't do all this work and not come up with the basketball. The guards and all five, their pursuit of the basketball better be relentless over and over and over again and then then go from there. Sorry, I got a little pumped up, but that's a big deal to me. No, that's what we love. That's that's the hype. No, I mean, I I think, I, I think, yeah. So I think there's, I think there can be adjustments defensively. They can fly around. I think, I think, you know what I noticed too during the FIBA World Cup? Mikel Bridges on the ball out front is not to, uh, is an interesting, like guarding point guards. He's disruptive mm-hmm. out there. And I think he's got to even get his, he scored so well and he's such a big deal. He's got to understand that he's got to lead incredibly on the defensive side. You saw it in the World Cup. 
how he can be so disruptive. There's a lot of these guys that can yeah. um, that can help, you know? We'll get into Mikel Bridges in a second because I think there's a lot to discuss just with him. Um, but one thing, when you talk about rebounding, and, and this is an issue, and I know a lot of people, fans say, well, you know, they, you know, Sean Marks identified this as a major issue and really didn't, you know, do anything to address it per se, even though, you know, he, he kind of went with some smaller bigs, you know, that, yeah. that he brought in here, uh, like, you know, Trenton Watford, you know, a player right. like that. I don't know how much of a, you know, factor would be a Darius Baisley. These are kind of guys that can be, you know, yeah, uh, interesting players. small ball centers, yeah. big players. But one guy that Jacques Vaughn did point out by name, when the rebounding stuff came up and it was, you know, he, he, he didn't really call anybody else out by name, but he did call this player out. That was Dayron Sharp. Right. And Dayron Sharp out of all the players on the roster is the one guy that has the reputation of being a rebounder, especially an offensive right. rebounder. Um, it's interesting. It seems like Jacques calling him out by name is saying, hey, I, this is year three now in the league for you. We're going to give you an opportunity. Be the rebounder that everybody says you are. Yeah. He's going to get an opportunity this year, and it, he could be a real interesting player as in, in terms of does he does he go to another level, you know, like Nick Claxton did in year three, or I guess we're going to find out a lot about, you know, his ability to stay in this league. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's a huge year for him. One thing I am encouraged, I saw pictures of him again. I thought the difference in his body since he we've interviewed him on Media Day two years ago and he was such a charming, great guy. And what he looks like now, he is an NBA physique. He's lean. He's sharp. Sharp. He's, he's um, you know, he's, I, I think he's, it's, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for him. Let's see if he can make the most of it. I think, again, it remains to be seen, but I like him. I think he has pretty good instincts, but you know, again, he's got to prove it. He's got to prove and show that he's yeah. a worthy NBA player and and can contribute. Let's get in since you brought it up. Let's get into Mikael Bridges. You know, he emerged last year as a guy that could be their go-to scorer, their number one option. Um, we could debate whether or not you're better served if he is your number one option on this team. He probably is. I mean, um, but. The challenge for him, and you just brought it up, to be the leader defensively, uh, the challenge becomes how do you dig in and be the leader defensively when you're relied upon to be the number one scorer? It's not even so much sometimes the, a fatigue factor because we know he's got tremendous stamina. Right. Um, but as I brought up, we, we talked to Jay Wright in a podcast earlier this summer. And we were talking about Bridges. And I asked him this same question, how can he be the, the guy on both ends of the floor? And he said, the, the thing about it is on the defensive end, you got to worry about foul trouble. You know, you want to be a great defender and you want to be a strong defender. Defenders can get fouls, especially if you're guarding the other team's best player. And yeah. now if you get in a little foul trouble, now it affects you on the other end of the floor because you're not in the game. So that's something also to think about when it comes to trying to, to balance those two things. Yeah, interesting. You know, yeah. Kent, yeah. so so is he – are you comfortable with him guarding the best player on the other team if it's not a, you know, a center and uh, and still being your number one option on the other end? Well, I, I think uh, – yeah, I, I think – well, again, the Nets are going to switch an awful lot. They, they, you know, they're going to be a lot. I, I think 
what happens in games is that maybe the lat in the fourth quarter he says, "Give me that guy." You know what I mean? Like, "Give me yeah. that guy." I'll, I'll look to lock him down. Even Kevin Durant used to say that because you say Kevin Durant is pacing himself on defense or whatever. He's kind of lurking as a guy on the pace. But in the fourth quarter, hey, let me guard him. And uh, I think I think that could be a rule uh, for for Mikel Bridges. But I just think there's other. You know, I mean, you're not talking about a team that doesn't have other defensive pretty good yes, players. Yes. You know, what I mean, you got yes, because- you're going to have options. You hope you would think you've got options of other excellent defenders to be able to lock down. I, I again, I think the defensive part yeah. of it is going to be is going to be interesting. It's what they've got to hang their head on. I think they've got to change it up and they've got to rebound the basketball and then run, Chris. One of the ways best ways to keep a team from attacking the offensive backboard is to outlet and run so they're scared to go to the glass. So that's another component of it. Get it and go. Yeah, because second chance opportunities hurt the Nets a lot last year. If you can, if you could mitigate that by knowing that there's a risk if you don't get back, we're going to run on you. And that leads us, you know, let's segue, use that as a segue into Ben Simmons. Because... Okay. You know, we've watched Ben Simmons when he was at his best in the NBA. He is a tenacious defender. And I don't know if there's another player in the league that can push the pace, uh, at his, especially at his size, um, than Ben Simmons. So, interestingly, Jacques Vaughn brought up the fact in his press conference uh, prior to training camp that he had been asking Ben and, 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 and pleading for him to do things that now he understands were not physically possible for him. Yeah. And that he feels that now Ben Simmons is in a place physically where he is capable of showing us what he did in the past. So that will be still that that's something we can't debate. We can't figure that out until we, until we see it on the floor. You know, we can't even right. factor that in. I will say this. The Ben Simmons we saw on the court last year physically was not the guy that we've seen in the past. And you could just tell by the way he picked up fouls defensively. He just couldn't move the way yeah. he was. So if if that was an issue with the back, it looked like it. Um, and he went and got that straightened out. Yeah. And now that is removed from the equation. Will we see that kind of guy? We don't know that. But if he can be that guy. Yeah, I don't if, know that. Yeah, if he can be that guy, if Jacques Vaughn says it, like now he's more capable physically of doing the things we wanted to see him do. This is a game changer for this net team. It, it, it no doubt about it. It would be a, one of the big stories in the NBA. Uh, yes, he had physical uh, issues, but obviously confidence was a big factor for him. Also, like I'm sure they're two, both are tied together, all that. We've seen him be a great player in the NBA. I tell you what's the most encouraged. First of all, I like that what he's saying. No, and sometimes say, well, you can't buy what the guys are saying. Let's show us on the court. He's saying something like, hey, listen, I am ready. I owe it to this team to be a better player. That's a pretty good statement from, a, from an NBA player. Here's the thing I really like. I, I, I've really been impressed with that I think gives net fans, net team, everybody hope. The way that he might be in the right situation for this right now. To have Mikel Bridges tell you or, or be so supportive of you, to be so supportive, to be that good of a person, 
to have Spencer Dinwiddie say the things that he said on a podcast last week about Ben Simmons and the type of player and person or what he's capable of being. Listen, all the writers can write what they want. All the GMs can say what they want. All the coaches can say what they want. You know what players care about? What their players think about him. And mm-hmm. right now, his players are supporting him higher than you, I could ever imagine NBA players doing. If he's going to be able to do it, this is going to be able to be the situation for it. I really commend those guys. Yeah, I mean, they've, they have gone out of their way. I'm talking about Bridges, Dinwiddie, other guys that have been inter- interviewed. They want him to be a good player. And think about Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's in a contract here, right? He, he, he said, listen, he, if all things go well, he could be the point guard. I can play off the ball. I, play, I can do this. I can do that. That is the type of stuff you want to hear from teammates in a player in this situation. And, and I think I think it's got a chance, but I'm like everybody else. You're still, you know, skeptical and you're, you're still wondering. But, uh, you know, I'm and also, well, and, not, and, you know, a half full guy, you know, and I think he's got a yeah. chance. I've seen him be great. If you've been great before, you can, I think you can get it back. Yeah, this is not a guy who came in the league with everybody thinking he was going to be an all-NBA player, all-defensive team player, and we're we're just blaming, giving him excuses and waiting for it to happen. We've seen it. Like, he's done it right. in the league. Um, right. And I get it. We're not, we're not. We're not Pollyanna and and ignoring everything that he's done, everything that's happened in his career, but we have seen it. And now, all right, we've he, supposedly, physically, he's ready to go. Well, let's see. And Jacques Vaughn has said he's a point guard. I mean, basically, yeah. in so many words. Um, and that's when he's been at his best. You know, Nets are playing him in some small ball five because I think physically he wasn't up to the challenge of driving it the way he used to. Um, and that brings up another issue here now with this net team is when you have Ben Simmons and you have Nick Claxton, people talk about having multiple non-shooters on the floor. Uh, How do you address that as Jacques Vaughn? We're getting your best players on the floor who aren't necessarily, uh, you know, distant shooters threats. Well, well then you've got to be so again, you've got to play with, you want to play great defense with those guys because they're both terrific defenders. So you want your defense to be at another level. You want to have your fast break game at another level because you defended rebound and push the pace Uh, spacing, you know, like having two non shooters doesn't matter if you're, you're out in transition. And I think, yes, it does come into play and, and the lane can be clogged at times and it can be, you know, it can make it more difficult, but I don't know what kind of, you know, uh, they're going to have to play some together. They're going to have to, and it's going to be, yeah. if if Ben Simmons is playing like he played, it, I think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be fine. I think he's going to, the way he could attack, the way he could find guys, have, make sure you have enough shooting. You hear Jock Vaughn talk about the spacing and how the details got to get better all the time, you know, and, and all the little details that got to be perfect, when, you know, when guys are out there. Listen, I, I, these two guys are too good. There aren't as many great options. Then those two are going to have to play play together. If he's healthy, they will play together. And, and yeah, certainly they'll, they'll maybe stagger him at times. And if it's not working that night, and you, you can't, the, if things are clogged offensively, you'll make adjustments. But you've got to go in there. If, if Ben Simmons is feeling good and playing good, they can play together. And also, I, I think that when it comes to Claxton, and it's a guy who's made 
you know, big leaps the last couple of years. And, you know, does he have another leap in him? It would probably be his playmaker ability offensively. I think it, it's something that we've seen glimpses of when he handles it at the yeah. elbow, um, his ability to take out, you know, to, to, to use the dribble, to get in the lane, to get to the rim. Um, you know, if he could start to, we you know he's worked on his, his free throw shooting. It got better last year. Um, if those things can improve, you know, Claxton can make a big jump and then it's not so much of a, an offensive liability, not that he was a, a liability, but, you know, I think, I think he can prove to be a little bit more of a weapon, uh, offensively for the Nets. Well, no, no, he, he, his, his improvement has been outstanding and what he can do. Remember he, you know, you've interviewed him a number of times. He was a guard in high school. You can see that at times when he handles the basketball. Yeah, he can do that. What he, you know. I don't think he's going to naturally be. I know he's worked on his perimeter shooting. I don't know that you're going to look to him to say, hey, well, he's going to be, he's going to be able to space the floor because he can knock down threes. I think that'd be a lot to ask him in one season to get, to be able to stretch out like that. But yeah, he's a talented, good all around player. That's for sure. Who has great confidence in himself. And when you have confidence and you have talent, good things can happen. And he, I'd be surprised if he doesn't, even take it to a, another level. He's going to have to because he's going to be relied on more now. It's a different role for him. He's not playing alongside stars. He's one of the guys now that's got to carry it. I think he's up for it. I think the timing's good for him. One guy we haven't really we're going to get. I want to get into the, the the young players and and who you think could make an impact this year. But let's talk about a guy that is going to be a key figure that we really amazingly this far in have not we've mentioned his name but haven't talked much about him um is cam johnson yeah uh a key part of the kevin durant deal played on the united states team in the world cup uh didn't play as significant a role as mikhail bridges did on that team um but he's an intriguing player you know and because of his ability to shoot defend he's got good size uh, his character is is off the charts. Um, it's a, he does somehow go under the radar when you think about this net team, but potentially, you know, he could be there in their you know second best player behind Mikel Bridges. Yeah, no, not not not. not yeah, that's kind of what he is, and Claxton's there, and you know, guys like that. And maybe look at what we got. saw him in the in the playoffs last year. Yeah, what no. about the playoffs last year? You know, that game one when the team wasn't playing well and he almost, you know, willed them back into that game. I mean, he's got he's got take over the game potential uh and a high character guy. I'm I'm no. I'm so excited to see what what kind of a leap he can take this year. Yeah, I, I do. I I go back to that dunk I think he had on Embiid last year. You yeah. know, he kind of took the ball and I took it right at him. I was like, yes, I think he's capable of another another level of, of playmaking. I, I know that he's a knockdown shooter. I know he's a defender. I know he's solid at everything. I think, again, he could be, you know, given the freedom. I just like, you know, I always talk about you being a smooth operator. He's a smooth operator <laughs> kind of guy. I thought of him as a guy that should play wearing a tuxedo. You know what I mean? Smooth, yeah. looks good, looks like a million. But he's got more than that, Chris. He's, he can, I think, you know, another level of, I don't know, just uh, attack mode, get in the paint. There's a toughness make some about plays him happen. too. There's a that, toughness about the, the him. The nice guy that, that, a, a part of him kind of goes, it makes it go under the radar too. Remember when he right. took a, a couple of games where he's played with, you know, 
stuff sticking out of his nose because he's bleeding. Exactly. Um, and and you said the dunk and attacking guys like Embiid. We saw him go. I got a little scared this year in one of the World Cup games where he he was going strong to the basket on a fast break and somebody wiped him out. Remember, he fell really right. hard and he got a little nervous yeah. there. But uh, yeah, just I think there there is a toughness. There's a skill. I I think what it what what has sort of um, net fans backed off a little bit is they think they thought he was supposed to be this forty percent three point shooter and he was a little up and down last year. I think his percentage ended up being okay, but um, it was a, it was a, it was a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a roller coaster with his consistency on the three point shot, which I think was for most oh, I don't of the think, guys. I don't think that that's going to be a problem though. I don't think no, that's a, I don't that, think, that, I think he'll is, go back to what he was. Yeah. He'll go back to what he was. And I think he'll be able to build on that I, again. He, if he's, you know, sometimes guys that three point shooting varies based on who they're playing with. Right. I mean, yeah. Dinwiddie was a 40% three-point shooter because he was a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter when he played with Luka Doncic. Shot a lot of corner threes. Luka would find him. You know, he even brought that up. It's a little bit tougher when you're handling the ball all the time and you got to heave some shots up and, you, you know, it, your, your percentages go down. So you got to find that happy medium. I Again, I think Cam, uh, Cam Johnson, you know, has the ability to uh, surprise people. I think he, he can go to another level in his attack mode and playmaking ability. And it'd be fun to watch. Having sat down for with Kevin Ollie for an hour uh, on one of our our other uh, um, episodes this year on the Voice of the Nets, it, there's a guy that's going to be Jacques Mon's number one assistant this year that I think has the potential to be an incredibly uh, good influence yeah. on some of these young players that we're talking about. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And he's had the experience of, of dealing with players at that, you know, younger players, you know, he's not a, a he, yeah. he's dealt with, a, he understands what they're going through. He's got a good feel. Yeah. I tell you what, I was walking during that podcast and my pace increased dramatically. My dog Ace <laughs> was all fired up because Kevin, you know how some people talk, they just get you, get you pumped up. He, that that yeah. was going on with me. And I, I you know, and I just heard Will Weaver. These guys are, listen, I like that, you know, Jock Vaughn went out and got people that uh, obviously, you know, he believes in. And uh, I just think can do a wonderful. I know, J hey, Jay Hernandez, okay, was the yes. sharpest 17-year-old kid I, I, I recruited in 17 years. All right? The sharpest 17-year-old kid. Now, did I lose, did I get him when I recruited him? No. Uh, <laughs> Could have helped me maybe. Could have prolonged my career coaching, but Jay Hernandez is is evolved now into a, an incredibly classy, talented NBA coach. And a lot of these guys are going to be head coaches someday, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So no, it starts with and 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 the young players. So we got so much we can talk about, obviously, and we'll do it again uh, as the training camp goes on. You and I will come on. So this it started right. The podcast started. <laughs> yeah, we're recording. I, we're you recording. gotta let me uh, know. Derek Whitehead, Noah Clowney. Jalen Wilson, three draft picks that the Nets made this year. Uh, Clowney and Whitehead, the youngest players the Nets have ever drafted. They're about a month apart, They're still teenagers. Um, where Do you see anybody, any of these young players having a, a major role this year? Uh, I, well, I love Jalen Wilson in summer league. I, I now, The maturity with talk about knowing how to play. Holy smokes, Chris. He was beautiful. Now, 
He yeah. shot it. That's the guy who's been in Kansas for a while. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't buy this. You know, guys are old when they're 22. You know, like, uh, you know. He, no, but I mean, but, as far as his maturity and what he's been through, and, and he should be a little more the uh, year, uh, ready for the NBA. Yeah. Ready. I think he's really ready uh, to make possibly. But I mean, there's a log jam and there's a lot of those guys, right? We talked about Watford. We talked about Bay. I don't, I don't know if he finds the time. But I think he's going to be a good NBA player. I really do. He, some guys, the great Tom Kinchalski would say, loaded with intangibles, right? He's got tons of intangibles. Totally knows how to play. Totally gets it on every end. His instincts, his passing, his defensive rotations. And the biggest key of all, and this is the one that's going to get him in the, be an NBA, good NBA player or not. In summer league, he shot plus 40% from three. If his three-point shot is going to be there, He's somebody they're going to have to, you know, give an opportunity to. And I know he's a two-way guy, right? He's a two-way guy, but he, he I think he's capable of having uh, a terrific, terrific NBA career. I think Noah Clowney has got he's got to evolve. He's going to have to take a, you know, the year is going to yeah. be good for him. He'll, he'll, you know, he's got to, he's got to get it. See if he can continue to get better and better and better all the time. Now, Derek Whitehead becomes the intriguing guy of all, right? The most intriguing of, of really almost anybody on the roster because uh, of, of his injury playing with the injury last year. Uh, I like the idea that nobody's talking about, we're going to rush him back. No, there's no rush. You know, you can't, you know, and we saw Karis Levert come back slowly and how good that was for him to take your time and to make sure this guy has a capability of being, having a great NBA career, take your time with him. Allow him to come back, and Chris, I you know I have to go. I want to watch this. You watch this high school highlights. I know they're highlights, but you can't explode like that. And and that's pretty impressive explosion. He can. He shot the ball over forty percent from three in the NBA. If you can explode off the dribble, and you can shoot the ball deep, and you're less than twenty years old, that's a hell of a thing to work with right there. And. They're going to have to take their time, but it's exciting. It's going to be exciting to see what uh, what he ends up doing. Yeah, and I, I think with Whitehead, I I just think that another guy that I sat down with him was just a delightful person. Um, right. Maturity level, you know, his his brother played a decade in the NFL, so he knows what it's like to be a a pro. Um, and he's got great size. He's six foot seven, and he's he's a point guard. I mean, he's a guy that you talk about explode off the dribble. And it was expected yeah. to play that role with Duke and then got the foot injury and ended up accepting his role at Duke when he yeah. came back with kind of like a stand-in-the-corner guy and shoot threes, improved and got better and became a really good three-point shooter and reliable three-point shooter. I, he, That could be the one we talk about down the road. Wow. How, wow. Could be. The Nets got you're this right. guy at 20. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we'll see. There's still a right. lot there. I don't know how quickly we're going to see him on the court yet, come back from that foot injury. Well, the Nets are not going to rush him back, obviously. Uh, but but Sean Marks did say he's going to play this year. So that's uh, something to look forward to. Yeah, we got a lot exciting. to look forward no, to. That's exciting. Um, in training camp, yeah, and preseason, we'll, we'll, we'll have a lot more to discuss. And I think once we start to see some preseason games, Caber, and we go through training camp and watch some practices, I think, uh, you know, we'll, you and I will come back and, and – and discuss this again and see if anything that any of our opinions have changed or been clarified a little bit more. So looking forward to doing that. Um, Capper, thank you for joining us. I, I'll, I'll, you know, 
We brought it back to Taylor Swift. Let's end it with that. Uh, I always like to give people things to watch and listen to at the end of these shows. And, um, you know, Taylor has a song called Coney Island to make the, the, the connection to Brooklyn. She has a song from an wow. album a few years ago. I'm not a Swifty by any means, but I do hear some stuff and I like it it's because it's, uh, it's like a duet with the guys, the singer for the national. So I, I was intrigued to hear it. It's a great song called Coney Island. Now, a lot of, a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people don't admit to being Swifties and yet they sing along with the songs a lot. You know, I just yeah, want you, you know to know the songs that. somehow. I know Coney the Island, songs. Not one of her I, like upbeat songs, but yeah. But how about this one? And I know it's something that you love. Because uh, we watched the show The Bear, and we love The yeah. Bear. I think I turned yeah. you on to that show. And, yeah. uh, and there's an episode in season yeah. two with the cousin Richie called Forks. And there's a moment. Right. It's one of the best episodes of the show. And right. there's a moment that involves a Taylor Swift song. And it, it, it makes your hair stand up. I mean, it's an It awesome, does make you. That is a awesome great moment. scene to see. See Richie turn yeah. it around and be fired up in his cut. That was great. And he's pounded on the dashboard. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yes, that was yeah. that's one of the great shows. There you go. Capper, thank you so much for joining us. Uh see you in Media Day and, and training camp coming up as we get ready for season what is it? Twenty two together. Twenty two. Twenty seconds. Again, next together. time we do this though, let me know when we begin. Because I do yeah, I let me know the next thing conversation that- with you. That Chelsea sends you out for that you can't find, and maybe I can. Shallots. Uh, if yeah. you know what maybe a shallot is, that. Let me know, and then this way you don't have to go back to Chelsea. I'll just tell you. Because you know I know, I would know what a shallot is. No, but I just think, I think it's her own little joke she has, you know. Let me get rid of them for an hour and a half. I get, she puts one or two of them on every list. It's a joke. And <laughs> shallot was the one today. <laughs> there you go. All right, Capper. Thank you. That's the capper, Tim Capstraw. I'm Chris Carino. Thanks to Chelsea Jenkins, our engineer. Thanks to our producer, Steve Goldberg. We'll talk to you again next time right here. Thanks for listening, subscribing, giving a good rating to the Voice of the Nets.